sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 282, and today we are talking about books being released on October 20th, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, Tirza. Hey, Liberty. How are ya? I'm very well. The day today sounds kind of like a record skipping. It's like 10, 20, 20, 20. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It was tripped me up when I was saying it. But enough about that. Let's talk about you. You are having quite the year. You know, like all, like, which is so awesome. It's so great to see great things happening for people in the midst of all that is going on. So you're part of the Rural Voices anthology that came out last week, which Vanessa talked about on the show. Yes. And I saw today that Publishers Weekly singled your story out as one of the best, which is exciting. You still have an amazing kitten. Although he, he's probably a little bit bigger than the last time we talked. Just a bit. Uh, and you got married. <laughs> yeah, I did. Congratulations. Thank you. I, yeah, it's been a very, it's weird because, yeah, there's like the pandemic and all of that has been like a lot, but I kept getting like good bookish news and then, you know, happy, you know, personal stuff. And we had planned on getting married this fall and then COVID happened and then we weren't sure what we were going to do. And then we just decided to heck with it and we made it happen over a weekend and it was really casual, but really nice. So yeah, I'm happy. Wow. You know what I did lately? I spilled wet cat food down the front of my pajamas. (laughs) That's my exciting life. (laughs) Hey, things happen. Yes. (laughs) That's that's like the most exciting thing that's happened to me in the last few weeks. But sometimes it's good to just, you know, not have too much excitement. Just be steady. Get your kitties. Yep, it's true. And I'm not entirely certain why, but I already warned you of this before we started recording. I'm full of beans today. (laughs) I am really wound up. And maybe because I'm so excited about all the books I'm going to talk about. But I'm just full of beans, so be prepared You might have to slow it down even more than usual. I know that I talk fast. My mother-in-law keeps telling me. (laughs) So before I talk really fast at you about books, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Sometimes you just need to touch grass, literally and figuratively. And we recommend you bring books. Tell the bibliologists at Tailored Book Recommendations about what you love and what you don't and what you want to read this summer on your outdoor adventures. You can get your recommendations via email or receive hardcovers in the mail. And TBR has plans for every budget. This summer, touch grass and bring books. You pack the bags, we pick the books. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Okay, now, 
this book, oh, <laughs> I feel like we've been waiting for this to come out for years, but also that she just announced it like last week. My first pick today is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. It's so good. Emily M. Danforth is the author of The Miseducation of Cameron Post, one of my very favorite novels. Came out several years ago. Uh, just amazing YA novel made into a film. This is her first adult novel. And I just want to say retroactively and going forward, know that when I say or any of us say like first published, first like first novel or debut novel or, you know, adult novel, that what we mean is published novel. Because if you talk to most authors, they're like, well, I wrote like eight books and then my ninth one got published and then I went back and published my second one. So this is her first adult novel that has been published. I mean, it might be the first one she wrote. We don't know. But like, just know that. I don't want to tell, like, be like, oh, they, their first time out and this is what happened. But it's so good. It definitely would. So going back to the book, I told you guys, I was, I'm just, I'm full of beans today. So if you've never heard of Mary McLean, Mary McLean was pretty much a 21st century woman in a 19th century world. She was a young woman who lived in Montana. It's a true story, real woman. Uh, she wrote a memoir. It basically said, like, if this is what being a woman is about and if this is what life is, like, I call BS and I'd rather, you know, do whatever I want and then hang with the devil, you know, after I die because this is ridiculous. It's so amazing and smart. And it was published in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as the story of Mary McLean. She wanted to call it I Await the Devil's Coming, but they were like, no, no. <laughs> And honestly, I mean, most young women, if they wrote this book, they would have been like, off to the asylum with you. But her family was very well off, and she somehow managed to get it published and became this huge celebrity. So now, the story of Mary McLean and her life ties into Plain Bad Heroines. It's actually, the title is actually a quote from her book, because it opens at a boarding school in New England, because that's all we had in New England, like in the, the early 1900s for boarding schools. And it's called Brook Haunts, and there is a tragedy. It's an all-girls school, and there are two young women who are obsessed with Mary McLean and also in love, and they die horribly on the school grounds. Like, something happens. Like So you know from the very beginning of this book, like, horrible stuff, scary, uh, and then terrible things befall some other girls, and the school is closed, like, that like three years later like it's all done like people are not sending our kids there anymore and then it jumps to the present day and we meet these three women one is an actress with a small part in a movie about Brookhants. Uh, she's also the daughter of a former scream queen you know sort of like a jamie lee curtis type character then there is she calls her the hut so lesbian uh, this young woman who is dating this famous artist and she's the star of this film that's being made and she's got like 80 zillion Instagram followers. And then we also meet the author of the book that the movie is being based on. And we learn, we like, they get together, the film is being made. They're making this movie about the tragedy between these girls and, or of these girls, I should say. And uh, then the backstory of the woman who founded the school. But there's also like talk of hauntings on the grounds. This book is so much fun. So much fun. It's, funny and scary and creepy and there's spot on satire like about like horror and celebrity and using the internet and the older sections 
of the book, like at the boarding school, reminded me a bit of Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is a book that scared me to death when I was a child, and a film that scared me to death when I was a child. Uh, And the newer parts reminded me a bit of Night Film. Uh, There are several characters, and so every time you think, like, I want to know what this person is doing, it, it, it almost jumps to a new story. And it really keeps it going, because this book is 640 pages long. I could have read 640 more pages, but I just thought it was so great. It gives off kind of Donna Tart, like Goldfinch vibes too, the way it travels around with the characters and back and forth in time. And it's just 640 pages of gothic, queer, love, and female empowerment, and it's wrapped in a horror package. You know, there is some pretty scary stuff in here, but there's also a lot of humor, as I said. There's a narrator uh, who is unknown at the beginning of the book, who, you know, jumps in. There are a lot of footnotes in the book. I myself love footnotes. Like, I think footnotes are underutilized. I think they're great for, like, making jokes. And, you know, I know we all have PTSD from reading Infinite Jest, but outside of that, like, I think footnotes are amazing in books. There's actually a book, um, the guy who wrote LMNOP, Mark Dunn, wrote a book entirely in footnotes called Ibid. But anyway, so there are these footnotes. And the narrator will be like, here's this character. And then there's like a little footnote and it's like, I hate him. And it's just, it's amazing. And they're so funny. And I think they're a great way to tell a story and also like make it funnier or like add more stuff. It's just so engrossing. Also, there are amazing black and white illustrations by Sarah Lotman throughout the book. There are trigger warnings for murder, death, homophobia, sexual assault, chemical dependency, and institutionalization. Uh, So if those are things that you are sensitive to or you don't really like being scared, you might want to skip this one or read it with the lights on. But I just absolutely loved it. It is called Plain Bad Heroines, and it is by Emily M. Danforth. I am also so, so excited for that book. I loved Miseducation of Cameron Post, and I got a digital advanced copy of Plain Bad Heroines, but then I opened it and I saw that there were footnotes, and I was like, no, no, I have got to wait for like the paper copy because I just love experiencing footnotes that way. So I'm also excited. It's actually, I think, the only book I've actually pre-ordered this year. So yay. Yeah. So my first pick is foreshadow stories to celebrate the magic of reading and writing YA. And this is a collection of new voices in YA edited by Nova Ren Suma and Emily XR Pan. And this actually began as a online YA literary journal. So Emily and Nova actually raised money through Kickstarter to launch this online literary journal uh, about two years ago. And They published 13 issues, um, like one per month, that each contained three different stories. So one was by like a pretty well-known big name YA writer. One was by um, like an emerging mid-list YA writer that had been previously published. And then one by a completely new voice in YA that was actually chosen by a guest judge. Um, And so this anthology is just the 13 new voices stories. And it includes the introductions by the guest judges. And then it also has, following each short story, a a short craft essay written by either Emily or Nova. And these essays, like, look at one aspect of craft, like voice or suspending disbelief or character. And it is, like, a very close reading of the short story and how each author manages to pull off um, an aspect of craft. 
And then it also has um, writing prompts and tips kind of scattered throughout the book. So this is such a cool idea for a YA anthology. And I think it's just a really great book for anybody who's interested in creative writing, whether that's, you know, YA or short stories in particular, or just, you know, YA and writing in general, because the lessons and the craft in there is just really excellent. Um, and I think so it'd make a really great gift for, you know, teens or adults. And also the stories are just so good. Like, I really hope that these writers are agented and that they are going to be coming out with more, more work, longer work, because they are really great. The stories do tend to be a bit more on like the literary and sometimes experimental side, but I was completely hooked and I just enjoyed them a lot. So some of my favorite ones, um, Lobster by Rachel Hilton blew me away. The voice in that is so excellent. I also really liked Sweet Meats by Linda Chang because it has like this really great sort of Hansel and Gretel retelling, but with a real good twist. And so I think when it comes to anthologies, you know, I always tend to gravitate towards certain stories more than others because it's, you know, it's a range of different voices and different writers. Uh, and I think this anthology was really impressive because it wasn't really united by like a single overarching theme, like why anthologies tend to do, but it, it just had such great diverse stories that honestly, there's not a bad one in the bunch. Like it's so good. So I love them a lot. I loved like the care and the craft that Emily and Nova added to this book because, you know, all these short stories have been previously published for free online. You can actually go and read them online if you wanted to rather than buy the book, which, you know, I, to I totally think buying the book is worth it because of all the added content that they've added. But as somebody who's a writer and I have my MFA, you know, th the craft stuff, it wasn't like groundbreaking or new shattering to me, but it was really inspiring just to you know, have the reminder of these craft elements and see them, you know, put in action. So I actually finished this book feeling really inspired to, you know, go start writing. And I think that that is really fun. So again, that is Foreshadow by Emily XR Pan and Nova Ren Suma. Okay, I'm going to tell you about my next pick and hopefully get through it without cackling wildly because it is possibly the funniest book I have ever read. It is S-H-I-T, actually, The Definitive 100% Objective Guide to Modern Cinema by Lindy West. Lindy West wrote the memoir Shrill. She had The Witches Are Coming last year. She is one of the funniest people on the planet. And apparently, I missed this, she writes these reviews of older films like, looking at them being like, that's a plot hole, and that doesn't make any sense, and, you know, these really funny things about them. And for, so for this book, she collected a few of those, plus she watched a bunch of other movies that she writes about, um, including The Fugitive, Face Off, Love Actually, Reality Bites, Twilight, The Santa Claus, Titanic, American Pie, Harry Potter, Speed, and The Rock. Her first essay is about The Fugitive. She thinks The Fugitive is the most perfect movie ever made. And then the other movies that she talks about after, she gives them ratings based on uh, Fugitive DVDs. So, like, for instance, one, one movie will get, like, two Fugitive DVDs out of ten Fugitive DVDs. And it's just so funny. And mostly, uh, if you're driving, I'd like you to pull over safely right now because I'm just going to read you funny things from the book because that's the best way that I can pitch this book to you. 
starting with my favorite thing from her thing about the fugitive, which is Richard Kimball steals an ambulance to get away because when you're trying to escape detection, it's good to put your body inside of something covered in flashing lights that will be instantly missed. <laughs> and there's one about the Titanic that made me laugh so hard is when she mentions how at the beginning the elderly lady uh, contacts Bill Paxton and says, you know, I'm the woman in that picture. And so Bill Paxton brings her aboard his boat where they make her watch a gruesome CGI reenactment of the Titanic sinking, which I believe the working title is Hey Granny, F Your PTSD. And it's just stuff like that that made me laugh. Um, one of my favorites is about Top Gun, which uh, she calls the flight school in Top Gun plane Hogwarts, which is just amazing. But I wanted to redo this piece from the Top Gun one because I also think it's like one of the most valid criticisms and also one of the most amazing things written about the predicament that we're in today. So sit back. I'm going to read you this page. So this is like about Top Gun and, you know, Tom Cruise and then Iceman is played by Val Kilmer. Uh, so she's watching the movie and she says, you know, Iceman asks validly, who was covering Cougar while you were showboating? And Maverick is like, Cougar was doing just fine, which we know he wasn't because he almost crashed and died and then literally quit the Navy. Why is nobody but Iceman fact checking Maverick here? We're clearly supposed to resent Iceman for trying to stifle Maverick's unbelievably bitching bad boy flying skills in the name of safety and regard for others. But you know what? I actually think being exceptional is bad. It's dangerous and unfriendly, and it prevents us from building robust systems of aid and care. It precludes forethought and planning, like, oh, a hero will save us, and it undercuts accountability when talented people do bad things, like, oh, but he's so special. My Norwegian mom always told me, you're not special, never think you're better than anybody else, and I'm glad that she did. Now I listen to other people and treat them with respect and wear a mask at the grocery store. Exceptionalism is a grift. Now Iceman confronts Maverick afterward for breaking the rules and about being reckless and abandoning other pilots to do whatever he thinks will get him the most attention. Iceman says, you're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe, and I don't like you because you're dangerous. Wow, here's some clear and constructive communication from Iceman. And Maverick says, that's right, Iceman, I am dangerous. Maverick, it is bad to be dangerous. You are flying a multi-million dollar warplane, presumably chunky stuffed with weapons that could kill lots of people and potentially cause a global war if used improperly. How is Iceman the villain of this movie? Because he likes safety? This is how America became a hotspot of a global pandemic. I laughed so hard. I, like, this whole book, I laughed so hard that I had to, like, reread it out loud to my boyfriend because he kept being like, what are you saying? What are you saying? But, I mean, I, I just, honestly, it's the funniest thing I've ever read. Um, She, you know, does great stuff, like, in Twilight. She talks about, like, how much vampires, like, baseball. Like, why, like, of all the weird stuff that's in Twilight, like, the weirdest thing is that vampires love baseball. Like, they're playing that baseball game and then the other vampires show up. And she says, did you know a vampire can smell one drop of baseball and a million gallons of not baseball? And I literally spit my drink out when I read that. And my other favorite one is probably her take on the Shawshank Redemption, where she talks about how, like, the prisoners in the background are all Tom Waits cosplayers. Now Birdman, the guy with the bird, is just, like, gaslighting people all the time, telling people that the bird can talk when we all know that he can't. We just hear him say, cheap, cheap. And uh, now I'm going to refer to my home as the Cookie Castle, which is something from that that I took away. But I'm not going to keep telling you things from the book, although I could, because, oh my goodness, I cried so hard. I couldn't even see to read. I was laughing so much. And I'm really excited because I'm going to watch her virtual event with Samantha Irby, the other funniest person on the planet, uh, at the end of this month, which I believe there are still tickets to get online. First, trigger warnings. I just want to say that she does mention like all the horrible things that happen in the films, including I, I remember watching Face Off when it came out, but I guess I didn't remember anything about it because when she was describing this movie, I was like, none of this is real. This is what happened. Like, what a bunch of garbage. It's just the pretty much the funniest thing that I've ever read. 
It is called S-H-I-T, Actually, The Definitive 100% Objective Guide to Modern Cinema by Lindy West. That is also one of my most anticipated reads of this month, and I definitely pre-ordered the audiobook because I wanted her to read it to me um, herself. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's probably, like, the next best way to experience that if, you know, you can't, like, read, you know, have her, like, be in the room with you. And I've, that's how I've listened to her last two books. Um, I've read, or I've, that's how I've read her last two books. I've listened to the audiobooks. And I just have to say, my introduction to Lindy West, like when I first became aware of her on the internet, was when I read her review of Love Actually. And I was just like, <laughs> this is a really funny lady. So I am so excited for this book. My. Second pick is Snapped by Alexa Martin. And I just have to say up front that I am not a football person. Like, not even, like, I'm not, like, anti-football, but I'm not a football fan. Like, I have no idea what is even going on when a football game is on. And yet I have been meaning to read Alexa Martin's romance novels for a while because everyone says that they are just so, so good. And so I picked this one up because it came out my my All the Books week. And I'm so glad I did because I learned from her that she, Alexa Martin, is actually the wife of a retired NFL football player. And that's really cool. So she really knows what she's talking about when she writes these stories about NFL players and like the people in their lives. Like, honestly, I think this is one of the reasons why I love reading romance novels, because they can be about topics and subjects and set in communities and, air, you know, just like things that like, in my life, I have no experience with and like, honestly, not like a lot of interest in football. But yeah, I still learn a lot through these romance novels. And they're just like so much fun. And I enjoy this book so much. So just a little little warning snapped is actually book four in the series but i just jumped in without having read the first three and i didn't have any trouble this book is about elliot who is a publicist and communications manager for the denver mustangs and this is like her dream job she's been working her entire life to get this job and she's not had it for very long when the team's brand new quarterback quentin takes a knee during the national anthem at a game. So obviously sounds very familiar to some current events. The team's owner is this like very old school, you know, whiskey swilling white dude. And he sends Elliot in to manage Quentin. And basically he's like, you've got to get him to stop kneeling. So Elliot is biracial and you know, her mother was black, her father was white. She has a lot of like empathy for the position that Quentin's in and wanting to use his platform. And she does support his stance of protesting police violence um, and, you know, just violence against black people in general. But she's also kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because she wants to keep her job and it's her dream job. So she is full of ideas and strategies that she's hoping will kind of satisfy both sides and and kind of help her keep her job. And so one of that those ideas is she's going to help Quinn establish a foundation to combat racism and support Black communities. And Quentin is open to that idea. Like he's actually like, yes, that's kind of along the lines of what I want to do. I've already started doing that. So they begin working together, which seems to go okay at first, but then kind of turns into a disaster. So there's very obviously some sexual tension between the two of them. But it's also a real kind of enemies to lovers kind of vibe because 
At first, Quentin writes Elliot off as just like another team publicist, and Elliot also makes some pretty unfair assumptions about Quentin and his life. He's got some sort of darker secrets and a darker history than he's letting on. But also, Elliot is biracial, as I mentioned. But her mom, who is Black, died when she was just a baby, and she was completely raised by her white father, and she was raised in very white circles. So when Quentin talks about taking a stance against racism and racism within the league, you know, Elliot doesn't always quite see it the way Quentin does, and that kind of leads her to you know, come off as kind of naive because her experience of of being Black and biracial is different from his. So I just, I thought that this was a really fascinating romance that tackles some really big, serious issues while also having, you know, a really great, like, romantic vibe to it as well. I was completely captivated. I listened to this while I was driving around this last week, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the audio is narrated by Sunila Nankani, and she does a great job. So that is Snapped by Alexa Martin. All right. My next pick is Ex Libris, 100 plus books to read and reread by Michiko Kakatani, who the name Michiko Kakatani probably sounds familiar. She was a book reviewer for the New York Times for many, 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 many years. And this is her collection of books that she loves. She talks in the beginning about her early life, how she came into reading, um, how she kind of hid in the library and lost herself in books to get away from bullies, which is something that a lot of us, I'm sure, can identify with. Uh, And she talks about her favorites when she was young and then how she got into reading older books. And these are 100 books that she loves, plus a few extras that she sort of tacked on in there. Um, And, you know, she's saying at the beginning, these are not the best. She's not saying, like, this is the best book, you know, collection ever. She's saying these are ones that she loves that she wants to share. Um, One of my favorite things uh, is a few years ago, you know, every year we do our favorite books of whatever year it is at Book Riot. And this one time we posted our list, like, these are our favorite books. And someone was like, this list is wrong. Like, we're like, oh, these aren't our favorite books? Like, best and favorite are, are two different things. So these are her favorites. And like I said, she's arguably one of the most, if not the most, influential literary critics of her time. She worked for the New York Times. She won Pulitzer Prize for her criticism. And she retired a couple of years ago. She's like 65 now. The list is a bit on the conservative side. You'll see a lot of the classics that you are expecting. Nothing stood out to me. Like, really, you know, there wasn't anything like, you know, oh, Pat the Bunny or anything like that, you know. Um, But everyone will find some of their favorites on this list. Uh, So, you know, sometimes it feels good to, like, read people, like, the reading people like talking about things that you love, you know, sort of like validation. You know, there's books like 100 Years of Solitude, A Wrinkle in Time, Song of Solomon, Housekeeping. Speaking of footnotes, again, Infinite Jest. Or there, you might find something in this book, like why, you, if you've been looking for a reason to like read Midnight's Children, like this might convince you like why you'd want to read Midnight's Children or The Goldfinch. Uh, plus there are these beautiful color illustrations throughout it. And it's just, it's just really cool. I will always read every book about books that there is. Which leads me to a side recommendation. I'm only going to mention it very briefly because it's quite... I was going to do it for like my main pick, but it's quite alarming and you probably don't want to hear me talk about it too much. Uh, So I'll just say that I read this book and I really enjoyed it and it's not for everyone. It is Dark Archives, A Librarian's Investigation into the Science and History of Books Bound in Human Skin by Megan Rosenblum. 
just from the title, you can tell why I'm not going to go into it. But Megan Rosenblum is a medical li- was a medical librarian and a journalist, and she's still a research librarian with an interest in history of medicine and rare books. She is in charge of putting on the Death Salon events for the Order of the Good Death, which is an organization that uh, Caitlin Doty is part of. And it's wildly fascinating. Like I said, not for everybody, but it is out today as well. Just wanted to put that out there. So that's books about books. So the first one is called Ex Libris, 100 plus books to read and reread by Michiko Kakutani. And the second one is called Dark Archives by Megan Rosenblum. And now we're going to hear from a sponsor. Okay, Tirza, what do you have for us next? All right, so next I have another YA pick, um, My Heart Underwater by Laurel Flores Fantazzo. And this was really a lovely book. I picked it up and I started reading it without knowing what it was about, and I was immediately sucked in. So this is a YA novel about Corazon, a.k.a. Corey, who is a teenager in 2009 in California, and she goes to an all-girls Catholic school. And at the very beginning, like first chapter, you find out that Corey feels very set apart from her peers, in part because she is poorer than most of the girls that she goes to school with. Um, she goes to like this you know, private Catholic school where the tuition is a lot. She's there on scholarship. Um, her parents are a Filipino. She's Filipino-American. And her mom and dad work, um, you know, just jobs that are not as high paying as her peers. But also, she has this massive crush on her substitute history teacher, Ms. Holden. And so Corey is definitely like in full on repression mode at the beginning of the book because, um, you know, when it comes to her sexuality, she knows that her life and her parents' lives are difficult enough making ends meet without like coming out as a lesbian to them or, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly how she identifies, but um, she just kind of keeps that all in. But then pretty early on in the book, her dad, who is a painter and handyman, falls off of a roof. And he suffers a brain injury and he is in a coma and things are looking, you know, pretty dim and dark. Like they aren't sure if he's ever going to regain consciousness. They aren't sure if he's going to have some kind of deficits when he if he does regain consciousness, he might, you know, still not pull through. Everything's very uncertain. So because of this, Miss Holden actually reaches out to Corey and is, you know, being supportive and kind of helping her through, you know, this this terrible, terrible event. And she's helping her by like offering her private tutoring. She comes around and she visits with Corey and her mom. She brings them food. They just kind of you know, she's just there for her. And, you know, even Corey's mom really likes Ms. Holden. And so, like, this is great for Corey because she really, really, really likes Ms. Holden. But it also makes things almost kind of impossible for her because she also really, really likes her. And then, of course, there comes the day that Corey's crush on Miss Holden um, is something that she acts upon and it is discovered and she is sent away to Manila. And it's kind of like a punishment um, because she needs to go back to, you know, her family roots and kind of, you know, reset herself. But once she's there, she also begins to see her family differently and learns things about you know, her parents that she never really knew before. So I just, I thought this was a really fantastic YA novel. 
personally, it resonated a lot with me because I was also a teen in 2009. So um, that, like, that time um, period and the setting, even though the setting was very different, but the time period really clicked with me. The writing is also gorgeous. And, you know, Corey's journey is difficult, but I, I just thought it was totally engrossing. I think this is definitely a great book for people who enjoy heartfelt LGBTQ plus books, especially with a really interesting child of immigrants angle. And it also made me realize that I have not read a ton of YA books about Filipino American teens. And so this book definitely made me um, want to go seek out some more of those. So again, that is My Heart Underwater by Laura Flores Fantazo. All right. My last pick today is for lovers of people who like to learn things, who like to read Mary Roach, who are just curious and love trivia. It is called A Walk Around the Block. Stoplight secrets, mischievous squirrels, manhole mysteries, and other stuff you see every day and know nothing about by Spike Carlson. Basically, at the beginning of this book, he is talking about how the pipes in his house froze. He had to call a plumber because the pipes were frozen and they had to do all this stuff. And then the plumber was like, okay, to keep this from happening, you're going to have to leave your faucet running at a little trickle for the rest of the winter. And he was like, he must have meant like for the rest of the day. But then he realized, like, no, he means for the rest of the winter. And he started thinking about, like, why? And where is this coming from? And why does this happen? And how does water even get to my house? And that led to him researching basically everything around his house, like, when he steps out his front door. So he talks about porches, water, electricity, telephone lines, sewers, recycling and trash, roadkill, bike lanes, asphalt, parking, walking, even like more stuff than that, you know, but he tells you like really interesting things about them, like about how um, the decline of front porches coincided with the rise of the automobile, how people all of a sudden could get in their car and go places. So they stopped hanging out on porches in front of their house, like they were, you know, communal meeting sites in neighborhoods. And then all of a sudden nobody had to do it anymore. And now they're mostly decorative for people, which is really interesting. I love interesting stuff. Uh, I didn't know that mail carriers account for a certain percentage of arrests every year. Like, a lot of mail carriers have the ability, are legally able to arrest people, uh, and how they were actually the ones that basically found the Unabomber, and, like, were a big part of that. And also that in a typical year, 13,000 mail carriers uh, incur injuries, and 6,000 of those are from dog bites. Houston, Los Angeles, and Cleveland have the highest incident of dog bites, and the USPS ranks fourth in companies with the largest number of serious accidents just behind the chicken processors at Tyson Food, which is just, whew, my goodness. But yet, uh, mail carriers are not allowed to carry dog bones. It's prohibited. You're not allowed to give dogs treats, um, which seems like you, that's probably what they're looking for, really. I mean, you'd probably make more dog friends. And I also read about the Dead Letter Office, which was like a real place where mail that like, people couldn't read the address or the label fell off or something. There used to be, like, 10 locations around the country where, like, really weird mail would wind up. Uh, and then it all got compiled into one spot in Atlanta, which is now called the Mail Recovery Center. And they have mail detectives that have about a 20% success rate in getting their packages to the people that they were going to. Um, he talks about, like, phone lines and mail, like how it used to take you know, a week to get a letter across the country by train, but now a cell phone can send you a message in 0.0053 seconds. He also discusses, there's like these lots of lists of tips. And one of them is like the five worst things to throw in your recycling bin, which are lithium batteries, shredded paper, plastic bags, extension cords, and syringes. 
I argue that my five worst things you could throw in a recycling bin would be books, pets, children, unicorns, and Angela Lansbury. But hey, you know, things are different. He also talks about, like, uh, the ten things you should never flush down the toilet. I actually was talking to a plumber one time. I said, what's the weirdest inanimate object that, you know, you have ever recovered from a toilet? And he said that people flush doorknobs all the time. That (laughs) people open their bathroom doors and the doorknob will fall off into the toilet and instead of, like, being like, I'm not going to reach in and get that. They will try to flush it. And he had had to remove several, which is something that you never think about until you ask these questions. And now I'm always like, don't let the doorknob fall off. <laughs> and there's like helpful statistics about traveling by bike. Um, he talks a lot about nature. There's a whole section on pigeons. I have pigeons on my house. I am not creeped out by pigeons. I like them. I don't mind that they're at the feeders. For some reason, my cats, uh, Farouk and Zivan, like we have like little chickadees and squirrels and little mice and they run around and they're like whatever but every time a pigeon lands like Farouk and Zivad go crazy banging at the window like yeah a worthy competitor like someone my own size they just want to fight pigeons that's it the rest of the time they're like meh squirrel meh chipmunk but they will fight a pigeon I am sure Uh, so he talks about pigeons parks lawns trees squirrels snow snow melters about how shoveling snow is not good for anybody ever uh, street lights, street names, graffiti. It's so fun and full of facts that will have you going, hey, did you know? Hey, did you know? Hey, did you know? First of all, you're going to like turn off this podcast and you're going to go, hey, did you know that people flush doorknobs all the time? Like That's something that you probably didn't know when you got up this morning. And you're welcome. The name of this book is A Walk Around the Block. Stoplight Secrets, Mischievous Squirrels, Manhole Mysteries, and Other Stuff You See Every Day and Know Nothing About by Spike Carlson fascinating so i have a question for you are we ready for covid19 books oh yeah Lindsay west <laughs> she mentions it a few times like in her new book already it's all like, right it's here all right good <laughs> yes it is they're coming definitely like we've seen a few already but i mean it's been over seven months now yes which is just impossible to think about <laughs> i know um, so I don't know if you're ready, but they're coming, whether you are ready or not. And my next pick is a COVID-19 book. So if you need to tune out, you can do that. But if you're curious, um, I'm going to talk about Together Apart, which is an anthology, another anthology, um, by Aaron A. Craig, Orion DeSombre, Bill Konigsberg, Aaron Hahn, Rachel Lippincott, Brittany Morris, Sanji Patel, Natasha Preston, and Jennifer Yen. So this book might have like been in the, you know, the running for breaking records for like the fastest book to be written and then put out by a major publisher because it is a collection of YA romances about falling in love while under lockdown due to COVID. Um, So it's set in like late spring, early summer, right around when things were, you know, reaching a fever pitch and before a lot of states started reopening. And it features just a delightful array of different characters from across the country trying to survive and find love and happiness and connection, Um, you know, just the best ways that they know how to. Um, So there's, you know, a short story about a girl who's family moves in the middle of a pandemic and she doesn't know anybody in her new state. And so the only outside interaction she has until her internet is set up is this very cute pizza delivery boy. Um, There's a great story about a neighborhood in New York City that is enjoying some balcony concerts and a reluctant romance that blossoms there. 
There's an awesome story by Bill Kongsberg about two guys who walk their dogs at the same time every day, um, you know, masked and six feet apart. And they strike up an awkward conversation one day and then a tentative relationship. I think probably um, like the most on point story in this entire collection is about a girl who is angry that the millennials have taken over TikTok and she is trying to impress her crush on TikTok after said crush comes out on a viral TikTok video. And it is very cute. I felt very old while reading it. And it also features like a younger YA um, character um, because I believe she's a freshman in high school and so is her crush. And I actually really love and appreciate that because I think YA is full of like 17 and 18 year olds who are, you know, a little bit more on the mature end. And, you know, it's important to remember that YA should also include those younger teens as well. So overall, this is a very cute collection. Um, It did feel, for me, like some of the stories did feel a little bit formulaic. And that's partly because like, there's only so much you can do (laughs) with the fact that like, okay, they connect, they, they kind of start falling for each other, but like, they can't be together because we're in a pandemic. And I liked that the authors really portrayed quarantine life in a responsible manner. So everybody is, you know, social distancing and respecting that, which is really, really great. So if you want a little bit of escape, if you want to pick up this book, um, it is Together Apart and a portion of the proceeds for this um, will go to Active Minds, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to mental health education, research and advocacy for young adults ages 14 to 25. So that's a good cause. And again, that is Together Apart. All right. That's really great because I feel like we've been doing this for so long now, the pandemic, that we've kind of just gotten used to it. But, you know, I just want to say that, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in out there, listeners, I hope, you know, it's going as well as it can for you. And, you know, you're handling it how you're handling it. Like, there's no right way to handle this. It's, you know, unprecedented. And I just wish the best for you. So those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Uh, Well, I have a lot of books in my TBR, and I'm kind of torn because I want to lean into some, like, real spooky spook stuff because my partner has been reading all these horror books, and they keep finishing a book and then being like, oh, my God, you've got to read this book, and then we've got to talk about it. So on my TBR is The Return by Rachel Harrison and the... Yay! Um, and also The Twisted Ones by T. King Commissioner. Um, those are yay. I'm glad that you're cheering. Um, my partner loved The Twisted Ones so much. I think it's like their favorite book that they've read this year. So I'm really excited to read that one. But I also went into a bookstore for the first time in eight months. And it was like masked and socially distanced and very safe. And I picked up The Searcher by Tana French. And I love Tana French. So I'm excited to dive into that one too. Nice. Those are all amazing. And if you like the Twisted Ones, I highly recommend The Hollow Places, which just came out, too, which I actually might have even enjoyed more than than the Twisted Ones. They each have this sort of, oh, my goodness, moment, which just makes me laugh. I love it. I like being scared. I am going to read The Turnout, which is the new novel by Megan Abbott. And it's a mystery thriller that takes place at a ballet school. And I am very sorry. It does not come out until June 1st, but, you know, while you're mad that I'm mentioning it now, please remember that I had cold, wet cat food on my jammies this morning. So, 
you know, I have to have some good things. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for us today. I think I calmed down quite a bit. I was pretty wound up at the beginning, but I'm going to end on a a low note. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com, as well as find us online. Tirza hangs out on Instagram and Twitter at Tirza Price. It's T-I-R-Z-A-H-P-R-I-C-E. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.